Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome right. to Tone Talk with Mark Uzanski and Dave Friedman. We've got Howard Kaplan. How are you, Howard? I'm doing great. I'm glad to be here and look forward to the conversation that we have. Yeah, same here. Same here. Uh, I've uh, I've known about you for a really long time, actually. Or well, let's say for since uh, I've been into the EVA champs for, uh -huh. for a while. So you know. Um, in fact, I reached out to you a long, long time ago um, when I was on another show. Uh -huh. That was that was EV, but you, you, when you were working for for Fender, uh -huh. and you said you couldn't talk until after you left the company. You know, you oh, were. I don't remember that. No, no, it was a long. It was a while, like six years ago. So oh, okay, or longer. So um, I can answer your question now. <laughs> yeah, now you can. I'm I'm happy to have you on the on my show. So yeah, um, except Mark can't remember the question now. <laughs> No, whatever. Uh, <laughs> no, it was. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been years, so Mark can't remember that. No, no I I've got them all stored up here. So, but yeah, thanks everybody for uh, whoever's watching. We appreciate it. Uh, I see BB in the chat. We've got a bunch of other folks. First off, right off the bat, just make sure you guys check out our Sweetwater link below. Um, and if you want to buy anything, you can you know click that link and. We end up getting a little kickback, you know, a little commission on that, but the price is the same for you, and uh, we appreciate that. It helps support our channel. And then also we have fixpedalboards.com. Check out fixpedalboards.com. We're going to be coming out soon uh, with uh, – well, he's going to have new products on the site, and we're also going to be featuring it on a, a pedal board uh, of mine. So yeah, it's pedal board build finally that we hinted about years ago. Yeah, <laughs> <Seems> years ago <laughs> might have been years ago. It was about a year ago. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna finally do it. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to that. So, so yeah, fixpedalboards.com. Check them out and make sure you hit subscribe and the like. Okay. So with all that said, um, how was everybody's week? Ah, uh, same for me. Yeah, same old shit. Two days yeah. at the factory testing a lot of amps oh yeah and try to weed through funky tubes <laughs> you trouble getting, getting tubes like, uh, 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 we have tubes it's just a question of if they're any good <laughs> That's true. um yeah it's work it's it's working out yeah tube, tube tubes are a little bit of an issue Prices yeah. have gone through the roof on Russian tubes. Forget that. I mean, oh yeah, for sure. What what once was uh, wholesale, you know, nine dollars is now nineteen dollars. <laughs> so, you know, that's that's crazy. <laughs> yeah, that is crazy. So, uh, Howard, you're um, you're now doing your own thing. You're um, yeah. I started an LLC. <clears throat> a couple of months after I retired, which was a year and a half ago, April 1st. And the idea was to, to do uh, updates to EDA champs, uh, some special ones that I developed. And I'm working out of Guitar Pickers, which is a place in Scottsdale, Arizona. They sell, they resell vintage guitars and amps. And I do repair work for them. Uh, you know, it's part of the being able to have my bench there, you know. Well, that's cool. So, I think yeah. I've heard of them. I've heard of their shop. Yeah, they're 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 pretty well known. Al Lieberman runs it, and Sherilyn Gerhardt is the luthier. Mm. Who builds full customs, but 
he gets a lot of business. People got coming in there, you know, working on their guitars. Yeah. And they have vintage gear too, or they have a lot of vintage amps and and vintage a lot of vintage guitars. He's got some pretty high high end guitars hanging on the wall. He probably has a at least a hundred guitars in there, and he sells he sells Nash. Oh yeah, those are nice. Yeah, nice guitars. Yeah, and Sherilyn, he makes uh, Tele Tele uh, clones. You know, so. But he does mostly the luthier stuff, fixing things. And when the guitar comes in, he he reviews it and makes sure you know everything's working right before they put it up for sale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's pretty cool. So you you decided to retire and then go back into business. Uh, you know, I don't like to be bored. <laughs> I like to be busy. Uh, it's a little slower than I expected, but I, I got I got a tough couple tough ones on my uh, on my workbench now. An old uh, silver tone. Uh, oh yeah. Guy wants it totally rebuilt and redone, and and then a uh, an Ampeg Gemini one E twelve chassis where the the reverb pan died. Oh, that's hard to get, they, right? They used Gibbs reverb pans, which were Hammond. Uh-huh. So there was, like, somehow I got contact with a guy in California who had like 10 of them. Oh, wow. He shipped me one just for the cost of the shipping. So I oh, got to cool. go in tomorrow and plug it in, and hopefully that'll put the Ampeg to bed, and I'll be able to return it to the guy. But, you know, I get all kinds of stuff, Fender, a lot of Fenders, mm-hmm. uh, EVH here and there, you know. So yeah, it's uh, definitely the hardest thing about old repairs is getting the information. Line, line uh, not line six, Mesa Boogie, impossible to get to get information from them. Uh, yeah, sometimes, yeah. Sometimes, yeah. You got to know the right people. Like I had a, a Mesa Boogie uh, Mark Five, Mark Four, mm-hmm. tube amp, and the, the pots were bad. I had to wait a month and a half to get the controls. Really. And then one didn't have the switch on the back, so I had to transfer a switch to the back. A lot of theirs have a pull switch. Yeah. yeah so. And then, uh, you know, the EVH stuff I'm doing. Um, but, but before I get into the EVH stuff, I want to I wanna shout out for uh, James Brown. Oh, James. James Brown. He's, I don't know if he's online, but he's he was the original PV5150 guy. Yeah, the OG fifty one fifty. Yeah, and he uh, two years ago, I think, is when when I was going to announcing I'd be retiring. Mm-hmm. They looked, you know, out there to see what they could do, and they James lived in Atlanta, and uh, contacted him, and he said he'd he'd love to come to work with Fender and work on EDH. Now, I started when that amp was first developed, working with Mike Ulrich. Yeah, Mike Ulrich was originally my my boss. Yeah, yeah he, was he and the original the, designer of the first amp? No, Mike. Me, no. Um, no, Mike was. Uh, he wasn't really the designer. The designer of that first hundred watt head was Matt Wilkins. Oh, okay. Okay, and there that was. Um, yeah, Matt is a, is a he's been a founder forever. Awesome engineer. Hmm. Personality wise, uh, him and Ed didn't. See eye to eye. So Got it. Mike asked me, they drafted me. I was working on Fender products right. for eight years or seven years. Mm-hmm. 
said, how would you like to work on EVH? I said, sure. Sounds good. It's tubes. I like tubes. So <laughs> they, drafted me. they drafted me. and But I wanted a shout out to, to definitely to Jamie Brown because he started the whole EVH legacy. Yeah. And then um, he went on to do his own company. I think it was called Amp Tweakers. Yeah, yeah. sure. We've had James on our show. Yeah, yeah. James is great. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote me today. He says, "Have fun. You should have fun with those guys." Yeah, we had a we we I think we had a beer at Nam one time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. James is a lot of fun. He's, he, him he's on, awesome. We having lunch on Monday together. Oh, that's okay. cool. Yeah, because he's he moved out by you, right? Yeah, he's he lives here now, and uh, yeah, he's the the main guy. With, or he took over what I was doing. Right. Of course, obviously, you know he's he started the whole thing. And, right. Uh, they hired another young guy, uh, which I should mention, Alexander Shabilsky, which we call Xander. Mm. He's a tube, you know, he's been doing tubes since he's probably 14 years old or something. Mm. So yeah, him and James took over that whole deal. Marketing guys are the same, but there's a lot of, there's been a lot of change in the in the management that Fender, which I don't really want to get into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. So if he's listening. Thanks, James and Xander, if you're out there. That's so, yeah. cool. Yeah, we had a lot of fun with James. And the mechanical engineer that worked with me, uh, Richard Barr, all 12 years we worked together. So he's, hmm. he's still there. He's still at Fender. So, so how long were you at Fender? Uh, 18 years, totally. Ah, long time. That is a long time. I moved from Seattle right after 9-11. I worked at... Uh, Fluke Electronics from 1975 till right after 9 11. Oh. My boss that hired me there uh, worked at Thomas Organ, Thomas Vox, where I that's where I met and how I got the connection back. Uh, actually, it started at Fluke. Uh, he, when I worked at, he was my boss at Thomas Organ. Al, Al Carlson was his name. And when I, I decided to move out of Chicago, so I contacted uh, him and, and I talked a little bit about where, what he was doing because he left Thomas to get back to Seattle. And he, because I was actually calling for a couple younger guys that wanted to move, and I was thinking about moving. He goes, "Why don't you come out?" So I f flew out to Seattle in end of 1974 and uh, winter, and it was crystal clear the whole time I was there. Unusual for Seattle. And I went home and told my wife then, I said, we're moving. Because <laughs> they offered me a job. Mm -hmm. But we got there in March 1975 and we didn't see the, the sun until three months later. <laughs> <laughs> now that sounds right. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. So yeah, that's how I got the connection. Uh, so from, from Seattle when I got, when I was working at um, Fluke I worked there for four, 12 or 13 years, and then I left to go to a barcode company to work on barcode scanners and stuff like that. Mm. I got three, four years later, a call from some guys at Fluke said they're starting up a, a startup company, Fluke Networks, and that was going to be my ticket to be rich because <laughs> it was a startup endeavor. But then 9-11 happened, and the whole thing just collapsed. All right. That day that I got let go, eighty other guys. Why? Um, maybe I'm just not putting two to get two together. But why did nine eleven affect the uh, 
the business. Oh, I was working on network equipment, uh, infrastructure, and the whole thing collapsed. The whole huh. internet infrastructure thing, the business just, you know, and the people that were actually getting the equipment were mostly government-related people. Uh, and that Luke was a, a small potato and, you know, companies that were doing networking stuff. Networking gear. Right, right. Yeah. So I got let go, and then I took out a roommate. At that time, I had uh, recently got divorced, and I took out a roommate to help. And he was a fender repair center in Seattle, luthier guy. So there was the connection to Fender. Ah, uh, oh, there you go. It was a he, his company was called Berlin Strings, hmm. and then I decided to branch out on my own. You know, I I contacted the head of the service at Fender. Don Wiggins, and he said it, and I told him if there's ever something going on with needing an engineer, let me know. About three, four months later, I got a call from R&D manager there at, at Fender, and they took me down, interviewed me, and offered me the job. So I picked up and left uh, Seattle with my two cats, and that was the beginning of the Fender legacy for me. Oh, boy. Now, do you play guitar? No, <laughs> I tried. <laughs> no good. <laughs> I, I always find that I always find that so interesting with the uh, amp engineers that don't actually play anything. Yeah, it is weird. But I have a good ear, and never was a problem between Ed, Ed and myself. He just, you know, I just, when he would explain what he's trying to do, it just it would always click with me. Yeah, you know, convert that. Uh, it worked. It worked good. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I mean, especially with the artist, I mean, they're the one who's playing, right? So mm -hmm. as long as you can make their vision come true, doesn't really yeah. matter whether you can play or not, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't really meet that, and Mike Ulrich was the became the liaison mm -hmm. because there was that tension between the original hundred watt des designer and Ed, so Mike became the liaison. And yeah, he, he, he he was a he was a designer. He did. He did the metalhead at Fender. I remember mm -hmm. him doing that amp. But after I started to help, uh, you know, I, I just I just did it. But I don't think Ed Ed knew who really was doing the work, but he was happy. And then Mike left. I think he went to some place in California. I think he's back in the Seattle area now. And, yeah, uh, he he went to a sound company. Yeah, yeah. Um, escapes me right now. What? Yeah, what Company. I, I heard he's back in, in the Phoenix area. Mm. So um, Jeff Carey, who took over the specialty group, um, was surprised that I had not really spent much time with Ed. So when Ed was inducted into that, uh, is that the, the music uh, in the, at DC, there was a, an event that he was at where they interviewed him. Oh yeah, yeah. I forget what that so was, what was called. called. Yeah. yeah. It was like a an interview on stage where he was like talking to a reporter or something. Was it so Smithsonian something? Yeah, the Smithsonian. That's yeah. It. So that's when I met him and started to communicate more with him and go to his studio. And that was the beginning of, of a closer relationship with it. Mm -hmm. uh, he's a, he was a great guy. Awesome man. Really nice. Nice. The last question that came up in the audience at that event was from a young kid. He asked. He asked Ed directly. He goes, "If you could play with anybody, who would you play with?" And he, Ed, sort of sat there for a while, got quiet, and he stood up and he says, "My father." Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, yeah. yeah, I saw that, that video. Yeah. 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 That was good. Yeah. That was yeah, yeah. And he did he did get the chance the chance to uh record with him yeah. on uh Diver Down. Uh I forgot the name of the song. But um anyway, his father played on on it, which is pretty cool. Um uh we've got some questions okay. right off the bat. Uh Grumpy Old Rockers. Hello, Howard, from your favorite couple in Southern California, Andy and Lydia. Oh yeah, yeah. Andy's yeah. he's not really grumpy. He's goofing off. Yeah, Andy's <laughs> been, uh, been very helpful to me promoting the the uh, my EVH mod, which basically takes the the fifty watt head. It it has three channels. Right. But the, uh, originally, the tone stack was shared between one and two. Yeah. And three was separate, and I from the very beginning I thought that was a mistake. I said two and three should be shared because they're closer in gain. Yeah. So when you go from one to two on the original 50 watt head end combo, the volume jumps. So that, that, why did Ed want that? Do you know? He, he didn't really care about the clean channel at all. He was blue and red. Isn't it sort of a little bit left over from not necessarily the circuit, but the concept from, from the original PV amp? Uh, because you know it kind of shared clean and clean, clean and crunch. There was clean a switch, and, and it just yeah, you know, and it and it did sort of the same thing, same issue. And they had a higher gain, which uh, you know, high, you know, something with and then burn, you know, yeah, super high gain. Yeah, it could be. I'm I'm not sure, yeah. but that's the way it started. But the hundred watt head had three fully independent channels so you didn't have to yeah. worry about you can right. set them all by themselves and the and the original 100 watt head had uh three presents no yeah. residents mm -hmm. because we had a patent on the residents yeah until it, it had residents built not variable res residents yeah it was just fixed fixed residents mm -hmm. and that was set up with a four by 12 cabinet that they offered mm -hmm. so uh so we yeah, so Andy, uh, I developed this uh, uh, as as we move forward with the fifty watt series. Um, we finally decided to address the volume jump by making dual concentric gain and volume controls, mm -hmm. and we did that first on the EL thirty four head and the EL thirty four yeah the EL thirty four head. Mm -hmm. So then we backfitted that into the the six L six, but we I designed it so. The 6L6 products, combo and head, could be retrofitted with a kit, service center installable kit. So that's so then all of the 50 watt heads and amps going forward had dual concentric gain and volume. So you could you can obviously go from one to two mm -hmm. and, and balance the the volume jump. Yeah, right, right, right. So I took I took that concept which is the thing that I'm selling as an upgrade to have full, um, all five controls, dual concentric. So I can do that update to anybody, any other 50 watt heads, EL34 or 606. Oh, so concentric pots uh, across the channel? On all, five, on all five controls. So Andy was one of the first guys that, he was a guinea pig for me. And, kind of and fun to get those pots, isn't it? Yeah, that was one of the one of the issues because oh, that's yeah. another, another good side talk. Um, when I joined 
the EVH group. They were using Noble and maybe CTS, or, but not one brand. Mm-hmm. So there would be mixed controls in mm-hmm. the amp, and that would there would be a, quite a bit of variability if you had put two amps side by side. So I decided, why don't we just use one brand? Now all the same date code within you know a range of time. So whenever I would ship an amp to Ed, I would make sure that it had the same, you know, they were built at the same time with the same date code, all noble controls. Mm-hmm. When you go, when you do AB, that it was much more similar. Right. Although, you know, the controls are actually 20% range, but yeah. by doing that, it helped a lot, actually. Makes sense. So, um, so I understand the concentric pots. You have one meg concentric pots. Uh, but you have the other values too, 250 and, and well, that was, that was 25 the or 20 or whatever. Yeah, the, the tone controls uh, were, were different, unusual values that Fender wasn't using. Yeah. So I had a good contact at Noble in, in Chicago. Uh-huh. Um, she offered to send me samples, and I got 10 sets of oh, okay. controls. And it worked out well. I laid out a circuit board, and I think Andy has one of the first ones that uses the noble controls. And then when I realized I only had 10 sets, so when I asked her, well, what's it going to cost to buy more? She goes, well, we, you got to buy 500 of each control. I go, that's a little out of my league. <laughs> so so I had to scramble, and I, I found a, a vendor locally here of alpha controls, and he yeah. was get me what i needed yeah oh that's good they're actually panel mount controls dual yeah. concentric but i you know i take the i cut off the loops and, mm-hmm. and it's circuit board mountable so i yeah. Yeah. so i switched over to alpha oh so that's the, didn't know that's you can open. get those <laughs> yeah i i might have to contact you about that <laughs> they're called the dime the dime series it's they're small they're small enough that I can put them on that board, and the board comes in from the top. Yeah. The other problem, I, the other problem, always is finding the knobs that work on concentric pots. Yeah, you got you hit it right on the head. I mean, <laughs> I I actually found some from some supplier that supplies some guitar stuff that's pretty cool and works okay, but really, really, you should have them made. Yeah. He, <laughs> This guy has... Had, well, you had, can get the knobs from EVH, though. That they're using, No, right? because the EVH ones were specially tooled. And they, they won't work on the pots. They won't work because, because the amp, the, the combos are inverted chassis. Uh-huh. We designed the knobs so you can use it at 180 degree. Right. An H slot on the inner knob. Oh, okay, got it. Well, it was not compatible. So, I, But I was able to get knobs from these people, too. Oh, they cool. Were, Oh, I'm going to have to talk to you about that because I always do these custom modifications for people and sometimes that would come very handy. (laughs) Cool. Uh, So, uh, sorry, tech talk here. Randy (laughs) helped launch my my options, you know. That's cool. Do you have, you have any, uh, uh, I, I, you know, haven't looked at a website or anything. I assume somewhere there's something about this mod and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, it explains it all. I also offer, um, you know, online troubleshooting, you yeah. know, with with video. I know. think I think you might now wind up with more work. 
after this. That was the idea. <laughs> yeah, right. exactly. That's the For idea. Sure. So all your EVH guys that have a 50 watt. <laughs> well, you know, I have one right here. Uh-oh, Mark's sending you his. It's done. Is it all, <laughs> is it all single? I can't see it. It's it's the uh, the stealth, so it's got. Oh, it's the, the stealth, so it has the dual centric control. on the you know channel one. Not the middle controls. Not the middle controls. No. So, yeah. So we'll talk. We'll talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy also developed what we call the the articulation mod to improve the articulation on channel two. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a it's a nice mod. It gives it gives it a much better feel according to people that actually could feel that which i, I right. can't i could hear it but. yeah the the you know i so i came from the original amp you know when it first came out and working with ed and for me channel two on the original version the og version of the 50 was perfect the pv one was perfect. no 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 oh. fender one well the fender one yeah, yeah the fender one yeah uh, when when you basically turn the gain to ten, and that was just the right amount, and yeah. and so then why would course, you want it any higher, right? <laughs> and then of course, and then of course, over the years, that became twice or three times the amount of gain. Yeah, yeah, that that was the S version when Ed they boosted the gain yeah. on the combos, and he liked it. Mm -hmm. so I know he always, he always wanted more. Yeah, more gain, more gain, more, 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 more of everything. Yeah. More whatever it is in his life, more. <laughs> <laughs> and then we did the whole Yale 34 series also. We basically did. Yeah. yeah. I thought we could have, uh, we, I know I could have designed it so you could switch the tubes. Sure. Marketing, marketing didn't want that. No. Yeah. Well. There's also some agency issues with that. Because if you, it really needs, I mean, you have to be careful about the bias because if it's not done right, and you switch to six L six from the L thirty fours, their their bias current would jump way up, and you get red plating. And mm -hmm. That's not good. So <laughs> separate them. So and then I did the lunchbox stuff too. I don't know if you guys mm. have those. There were three of those. Yeah, the little guys. The little guys. That sound pretty good, actually. I, I have one of those in here for some someone brought in for repair. Uh, what is my website thing? Yep. So this one, this is uh, Howard's website. It is, uh, if you guys want to check it out, kaplansampservice.com. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> so you can find out about the mods and reach out to Howard. Um, so the question from uh, Lydia, and I forget the other guy's name. Andy. Andy. Andy um, they wanted to get your thoughts on PCB versus hand-wired. You know, I, I'm of the school that um, if you hand wire everything and you can reproduce it and do it exactly the same way, that's great. But if that you, if that usually doesn't happen, so a circuit board, in my opinion, locks everything down. So there's no ifs, ands, or buts about the way the wires are routed. And I'm I'm a circuit board fan. Now, there's a caveat there is. Um, with tubes, you don't want to, you know, you got to be careful how you attach tubes to a circuit board. And the way Fender and we did it, we have a triad around each tube with, with uh, you know, spacers that hold the tube socket. 
So if you're putting in tubes and you're wiggling it, you're not wiggling the board. Right. That's really important. And a lot of the, uh, when I worked on the 65 Princeton reverb reissue, those original are hand wired. The tubes are all mounted on the chassis and wires come over from the turret board. Right. So I designed the Princeton reverb reissue and the champ reissue I did mm. with that method. The board, the tubes were on the chassis. So when you change the tubes, you're not wiggling a circuit board. Right. Very important. The same thing with controls. If you have controls on a circuit board, you need to make sure that there's strain relief to the to the front panel. Yeah. Not grabbing them and wiggling and breaking soldered joints. So that's my take on it. Yeah, it just it just has to be, yeah, just like if we have PC mounted sockets uh for power tubes or something. Yeah. Uh those things are bolted to the chassis. There, right. There's no wiggling the circuit board. There's right. no nothing on the circuit right. board. Right. And mm -hmm. not to mention our circuit board's super thick and plated through, you know, two ounce copper. And okay, yeah. So you guys got it. So it's not it's not like the single layer uh, Deville boards, you know that yeah. <laughs> that are well, the copper rips right up. Fragile <laughs> when you look at it wrong. Yeah, it rips. Um, yeah. So that's yeah. My it, on that. Yeah. So it makes it more reliable. Yeah. Consistent. I agree with Howard on that completely. I think a PC board is actually the better way to go for consistency, right. reliability. Um, okay, maybe it's a little harder to repair if something does happen. Yeah. Yeah. But I would say from amp to amp, it'll be more consistent. Right. Um, and frankly, these days, you know, like for instance, our pots that we were using in our amps, they they in in this day and age they are not as reliable as they once were yeah, i would true. rather use a pc mount pot which i know is actually more reliable yeah. than some of the some of that full size hand wired pots that just up and fall apart tin whiskers and fail <laughs> and you know it's just like oh you have a bad pot that's what's wrong mm. i never had that years ago <laughs> Right. You know, pot pots still exist in Marshalls and other amps from 1965 yeah. that are still working perfectly fine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, why is that? You know, and and frankly, also there's the human element of hand wired amps. Yeah. And let me tell you something, because I do a lot of them. Yeah. Human element is a big problem yeah. because people make mistakes, just plain as day. Mm -hmm. You can't have a line of genius builders it just doesn't work that way you know you, these people are taught to build a certain portion of the amp but are they all the best no they're not they're they're you know they're not high dollar super high dollar workers they're a factory worker essentially you know and and you're it just you're gonna have mistakes it's just gonna happen yeah, and the other issue is from day to day, people change on the line and yeah. something's sick. And this wire is closer to this wire now, or that wire is closer to that wire now. And there, oh, there's more capacitance when you push it that way, or if you move that wire that way, it oscillates. And, <laughs> and you know, it a piece and, and PC board, you can get much tighter, shorter signal path too. Right. I mean, like you can get literally on top of the tube. There's no signal path. It's almost like the end of each 
part is hitting the tube and hitting the pot. It's like so close. Hmm. Also, you if know. you want want to add a little money, you could get much better ground planes by doing multi-layer ports. And, Absolutely. You know, things hmm. like that. Lower noise, everything. Uh, Will the real question for Howard? EVH fifty one. What's that? I'm, I'm reading it there. Oh, okay. Uh, EV, EVH5153 preamp tube, silver dot underneath for V1 and V2. How to find the same level of quality JJs? Is it luck of the draw? No, it's not luck of the draw. Um, before, the, before, the, before COVID and the supply chain issues, well, the EVH amps use all JJ tubes. They, they buy them in bulk. They come unlabeled. And then they go through selection processes. EVH gets the best tubes for V1 and V2. And that's what the silver dot's all about. Mm -hmm. They go through a thing called the house of pain. The tubes are put in there and they're, they're put under a lot of, you know, they're, they're bombarded with high level sound in this thing they call the house of pain. And they choose the, the tubes that have the lowest microphonic and the lowest noise. Those get the silver dot and they become V1 and V2 or V1 and V4 if it's a 100 watt head. Uh, those are the two high gain tubes. And also the covers on those, they get a foam insert instead of a spring insert. That helps with transmission of vibration into the tube. Hmm. So that's, it's not a look of the draw and and that tube is, those tubes are available. They should be available on the EVH gear site. Those, those high, those selected tubes. On the, Still? JJ's? Well, I don't, you know, I've been gone a year and a half. I have no idea if those are really available because a lot of things have changed because since of the war. Yeah. Since the war. But it's yeah. been my experience that there's, there's, uh, Places out there that sell tubes that they say are, you know, screened and low noise. Mm -hmm. So if you can get those, and you need to replace V1 and V2, I would use those. But my experience is that the preamp tubes are really reliable. It's the, the yeah the power tubes that tend to. I think preamp tubes sort of if they fail, it'll be quick right at the beginning. Yeah, my experience, but. I think V1 and V2, you know, in those amps, I mean, I think the m most JJs are relatively low microphonic. Yes, they are. Is it, you know, if I get a box of JJs, it's, you know, I, you know, I might get 10 that are too microphonic or something out of a right. box of a hundred. So, and, and most don't really have noise or anything. Most of them are quite consistent, uh, more, yeah. more consistent than almost anything. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you can you can buy some. You can buy. You can go places and buy tested, pre-tested for. They, there's some tube vendors that'll test for microphonics and test for everything. You know, you can buy some JJ somewhere. It's not really. Yeah, you don't have to. Bad. You don't have to go to vendor. Right? Yeah, but the, they did make them available if you want them. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, a lot Davis, of guys, they don't, they don't even, the thing is, the thing that was bad is they don't even know. It's like okay. They're not mm. labeled. They're not. They're not labeled specially, except for the dot. Right. So that, it got out there by the folklore from from me. 
<laughs> well, good. It's, uh, I, didn't, special, I didn't know about that either. Dot. That's cool. I always tell people they're all the same, just screened a little bit more. <laughs> uh, thank you for answering my question earlier, Dave. Uh, Howard, are there any oddball weird amps that you like that people might not expect? EVH amps are we talking about? Or I think he's just saying any, any amps. amps. Well, really, I've, you know, I've spent, you know, 12, 13 years just working on EVH amps. So I, I don't have a lot of experience with other other amps. And I'm not, a, I'm not a player, so I guess I can't really recommend anything. Gotcha. Oddball weird amps. Hmm. I remember we got one time uh, from JJ, actually, some hand-wired beautiful amps. I don't know if they were trying to sell them to Fender as a as a market niche, but they were, I never, you know, they sounded great. They looked awesome when you open them up, but most people don't really care that much what the inside looks like, as long as right. it sounds good. Yeah. So, so I don't have a, I don't really have an answer for that one. Sorry. I'm trying to think myself for me, oddball. Yeah, you've done a lot of stuff, David. Yeah, I I work on all sorts of crap for years. Um, <laughs> hmm. You know, some some of the stuff that uh, uh, James Brown had worked on from PV were pretty cool. The PV VTM series, that's an old amp that kind of was under the radar. That was kind of a neat amp, uh, or at least the concept of it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Those old butcher, butcher amps that PV made were, were actually cool. That was like a JC made 100, essentially. And that one sound sounded pretty good. I, I had an opportunity to retube one recently. Uh, what about uh, the, he worked on the Satriani stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, not so much. Um, I've got one of those at the guitar pickers now. One oh, of yeah. Original, one of the ones that uh, he used on tour. Oh, okay. James, uh, James signed it and everything. He came in and there was two of them that he took on tour. Satriani. Other oddball amps, uh, some old trainer amps are kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, they were built like a tank. Uh, and the uh, Lab Series amp. I don't know pretty, those. Pretty, pretty cool. That's what uh, Ty Tabor used for years. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Okay. Um. I, really, I get some of those really oddball ones, like the the Sears Silvertone ones. They sound yeah, good. those are great. Those are they awesome. Sound good. They sound good, but you know, it's like they don't look very nice. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. But they, I, I was surprised how good it, my brother was a was a guitar buff. His younger brother, my younger brother, mm -hmm. he was always sending me these weird things to fix for him, including Silvertones. And, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I've never played one, but I hear they're cool. Oh, they, you crank those things up, they sound great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 That's cool. Well, uh, the one I got, they had stuck in uh, their 66s. Mm -hmm. They had put in these, I guess, Fender, maybe GrooveTube made these. Oh, wait a minute. Some Silvertones are 6L6s, depending on. Yeah, these were six, but they had a tube, like a a hot 6V6, which was really a 6L6. Right. And that's probably not a good idea because the filament current is much higher so i i put them back to 66s standard 66s yeah there's some there's a lot of variants of the 
the 6L6 too. The 6L6S. There's a low power 6L6. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I would never, ever in a million years do an amp that has 6V6s in it yeah. today. Yeah, today, yeah. It's a, it's because, a point, right? well, you have JJ6V6s, which are actually great tubes, yeah. but they rattle like hell in a combo, so you can't really use those. Oh, okay. So, 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 that, so then you have, uh, you have, you know, Sovtech EH, which worked pretty well but now with this situation are really kind of in upheaval right now mm -hmm. and then they're you know the chinese ones were never good and they went you know shugong went away yeah they burned and down. <laughs> and uh well they're coming back evidently but they're not there yet um did you ever use the wing c 6v6 the 6l6 wing c oh yeah 6l6 yeah, yeah Ed did too for a while that was a pretty good too yeah, like, Ed, Ed did for a while. Ed, he, used yeah, for a while. he was not happy when they said we couldn't get him anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I remember because I was up at 5150 and listening to tubes with Matt. Yeah. <laughs> we, we listened to JJ's across the board and then we're like, yeah, that sounds good. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, I mean, you know, the 66 is just not really much out there are your choices and you're really limited right now so if you can't get sovtech branded 6v6s you're kind of screwed mm. so there's no way yeah interesting so uh tavera's project thanks for the super chat um question for howard was there a change to the evh3 head channel 2 to sound more like channel 3 and what year did that happen well, that was when the 100S was introduced. Year-wise, it's probably six years ago. Hmm. And it wasn't really intended to sound like Channel 3. It was just Ed wanted the channel, what we did on the combo, the increased Channel 2 gain. That's what he wanted, and that's what we did. And we didn't really, it wasn't voiced any differently. But it had more gain. It was, just more, it was just more gain. That's what happened. That's I think that's what he's referring to. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it, I, the, the tone stack on channel three is different than channel two, mm -hmm. and we didn't we didn't change anything in the tone stack. It was just primarily the game. Yeah, and and we used um, the channel one V one in, in the hundred watt head and in both head the fifty watt heads is split between channel three and channel one and two, but on the S channel two and three share the first half of V1 and channel one is separate. Mm -hmm. That allowed us to make channel one cleaner without, without impacting channel two and three. Mm. Right. Uh, DL34s, um, when they came out, they pushed to have channel one be cleaner. And so we did do that. Yeah, that was, that was part of the EL34 series. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a mod that people tend to do on the EL34 blue channel, that's, right? That, uh, yeah, that, that's a controversial subject. Uh, when we went down there to approve the 50-watt EL34 head, uh, Ed, Ed wanted um, channel 2 to be darker. So we, we made a change, and I, I didn't like it. It didn't sound good to me, but he liked it. it, it it's a, it has a dip. 
It has a, a what do they call it, a notch. Mm-hmm. And that, that was done by making a coupling capacitor bigger from the one that drove uh, channel two. So um, when, he, when the EL34 head came out and it was starting to be reviewed on the web, there were guys that saying, you know, they don't understand why channel two is so dark. I was one of them. You were one of them? Yeah, I, I bought it. I bought the head and then I, before people were doing mods to it, I ended up selling it because I was just like, oh, it's, you know, that's why I ended up getting the stealth. Okay. Because it was just, it was a bit more the sound in my head of what I wanted. Yeah. So I was like, okay. Uh-huh. That, that's- I, I wanted to change it, but marketing overruled me because I had approved it. Mm-hmm. I understood that. So, um, yeah. But now people so the word, the word got out about removing that capacitor C137, clip it out, and the preamp was back to what the 606 version was. Hmm. Quite simple. One okay. capacitor. But there's actually guys that liked, it, liked it that way. About It was about 50-50. You can't win. You can't, can't win. win. We can't win with bright and dark. I've learned. Yeah. So someone will say my amp's dark, and then I I make a brighter amp, and then they say, "Oh no, it's too bright." <laughs> and I'm like, "What do you want?" <laughs> That's why we give you tone. Fuck. <laughs> can't win. Can't win. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jay well, to this day, the EO 3450-watt head still has C137 in there. There you go. There you go. Oh, and, that's the way Ed wanted it, and that's the way I keep it. Yep. Yeah. Um, Dave, I know uh, around the time of 1984, EVH used an MXR rack mount delay. Did he use one or two, and did he use them in front of the amp or in between the Marshall and the H&H V800? Uh, that's a very good question. I'm assuming, knowing that delay, I'm assuming it was between the Marshall and the V800. Uh, Because he was using the V800s at that time. And from what I understand, he was using one cabinet as a dry load off the amp. So I'm pretty positive that a line out was feeding those delays. And I think there was two, if I recall. Okay. Hmm. Stephen Douglas, Howard, why did Fender originally make the EVH 50 watt in Vietnam and why ultimately did they decide to make them in Mexico again? I have That's a Vietnam good. version. Yeah, okay. I have one too, signed by Ed. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, sitting right here in my, my little office here. That's cool. Um, it was a cost thing, you know, and, and the factory at that time was pretty busy. So phasing in a new amp into the and Sonata factory was going to be difficult. But I laid out all the circuit boards and I made sure that what I did was compatible with the Ensenada process. Okay. Mm-hmm. Just in case things didn't work out in Vietnam. And what happened in Vietnam was they wanted us to buy, they wanted Fender to buy a half a container at a time of amps. That's a lot of amps to suddenly ship. And if there's an issue in production, we'd have to send their engineers to the warehouse, which at that time was uh, Ontario, California, and do rework. And the risk was pretty high, so they, and they didn't want to place that big of an order. So in parallel, we 
worked real quickly and did a prototype run down in Ensenada. And it worked out really well. So we decided, um, and we have more control over things because if something goes wrong in Ensenada, it's just mm-hmm. a matter of flying to San Diego and driving there. Yeah. But it, it, it made sense to do that. Not that this, they did a great job of building the amps. The only differences were metric hardware, hardware and the screws and the way they mounted the front panel LEDs. It's the only difference. Circuit boards, transformers were the same, Schumacher. The capacitors were all the same. All that, you know, and the OT and the PT were made by Schumacher. So that it was, it was a no-brainer in terms of, of building it. So, so we cut off the purchasing of the Vietnam version. Got it. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, let's see. So what other amps did you, before I get to the next super chat, um, what other amps did you work on when, you, when you were a Fender before you switched over to uh, okay. EVH? The, the first thing I did was, uh, the, it was called the Ultralight series. Ultralight Jazz, Ma- Jazz Master. Hmm. You can find it out there somewhere. It's a it probably the front panel was like five inches high by about nine inches wide. It was uh, 250 watts, and um, the, it, it was a totally analog two-channel amp that I worked. I worked on the Jazz Master version, and there was another engineer who worked on the Acoustasonic version. And the idea was you have an amp that's very light and a little bag and your speaker is also made out of very light material and you can walk into a gig with two things under your arm and go play. Yeah. It was cla- it was a class D 250 watt output. two different 125 watt. There it is. That's it. Yeah. Oh and that and the the head has a magnetic latch. So if you tilt the cabinet, it, 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 I think they patented that actually. Yeah, that's wow. a, that's a cool little amp. It was a and it had it had di- it had a digital um, effects, you know, a chorus, vibrato, but primarily it was an analog, full preamp, two different channels, high gain, low gain. It had high, it had high gain. I was wondering if it. Would... Yeah, the bottom channel there, the bottom row was high gain. Huh. Not like the EVH amps, but higher gain. Right, yeah. right, right. More yeah, fender, that's, that's fender style. That was the first thing I worked on. And then after that, I went to, uh, I think, a GDEC Junior, which was a pretty a digital uh, effects amp and analog type front end. And then uh, the 57 Champ, the Clapton version, I worked on that. Hmm. Princeton Reverb 65 reissue. Mm-hmm. Worked on that. And so I, one second I, before you go back to the Clapton one, did you work with Clapton on that or was it just? No, I, mar- the marketing guys did all that. And right. all, the only difference from it to the, the standard 57 reissue was he had a, a power attenuator put on it. Mm. Like low power thing. It just, you know, a passive attenuator, not anything active. But the, the circuitry and everything was the same? Same, yeah. Right. And, and the, the look was a little different because it had his name on there and everything. Right, right, right. Got and it. then I did, uh, did I say the GDEC Junior? I worked yeah, you it. mentioned that. It was a yeah. digital one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
right about that time is when they started talking to me about EVH. So it was the first six years. Gotcha. Well, speaking of variable power, by the way, the the combo um, has built in a digital reverb, a very nice digital reverb, and it has a five to fifty watt variable power, not not an attenuator, true variable power. And I did that by uh, varying the screen voltage on power tubes. If you do that, you basically get a tube that sounds the same the way it distorts, but has lower power capability and you're you're dissipating the power in the tube rather than passively hmm. you know in some kind of resistor bank mm-hmm. and it's continuously variable that was a lot of guys like that feature because yeah. the screen voltage to the 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 power tubes, power tubes. Yeah. Power tube. yeah makes sense does it make it more um like almost like a variac kind of thing a bit more squishy or you know no that was it, it actually Distorts stores sort of the same way as you drop that screen voltage. Mm. It's just like a making a lower power output power tube. You have to mm-hmm. lower the input to it. You can't overdrive mm-hmm. it, but that's part of the control. Gotcha. Oh, and you, somebody you just mentioned the brown sound thing. I haven't talked about that yet. The, uh, Ed was always fooling with Variax to get mm-hmm. different sounds, and and if you if you take a Variac to an amp today and you lower the voltage down that low it'll stop working because there's regulators in there for logic and but the primary part of the of the brown sound was the lowering of the filament voltage in the power. yes it makes it sound different yes. so all of the evh amps that i worked on including the 100 the filament voltages are 5.3 volts excel mm-hmm. six versions that's there's sound. a super chat regarding this mark there is yeah, is this, is this the one right here? Uh, DSL. Yeah, which, which, which brings the mojo. Yeah, so so yes, I was going to say this. The just changing the voltage to the amp is not it. It really is the the lowering of those heaters really change changes how the amp. Sounds. It's a feel thing. It's a sound and a feel thing. Right, right. Um, it's hard to explain, uh, but uh, yes, my experience and I've and I've experimented with this at great length. Is uh-huh. it does change how the amp responds? The lowering of the heaters, just the heaters right. alone, even just the heaters. That's all yeah. we did. Yeah, and the the downside is it lowers the life of the tube. Unfortunately, maybe well, it does because it does that cathode stripping stuff. Well, maybe there's a lot of controversy. Well, it depends on how you, you know, I mean, power tubes go anyway. You know, you can't use a power yeah. tube. I mean, I, you know, I, I used an amp for a million years at 90 volts an old Marshall with, with the original tubes in it forever. And it was and fine. It still, still yeah. Work? Well, yeah. Cool. yeah. Hmm. But that's, uh, that's the essence of the Brown sound that was moved into production. Yeah. Now on the EL34 version, I when we started working on that, I sent him prototypes that had the lower filament voltage and he didn't like that sound with the EL34 tubes. Not so we didn't do it. So we didn't do it on those. That whole series has full filament voltage. So what was the, fir- the first EVH amp that you worked on? The 50 watt head. The EL34. 
No, the six L six. Original. The six L six. Vietnam one. The one we oh, I see. I got you. Okay. Yeah. And then what was the last amp that you worked on? Uh, well, actually, I worked on one of the iconics with James, but mm. I can't take credit for that. He was the project manager. Oh, uh, the LBXS, I think it was. That was the last oh, one. Okay, lunchbox. Did you? But you worked on the fifty watt stealth too, right? Yes, definitely. Gotcha. Okay. Um, Oh, by the way, uh, happy, uh, I was going to say happy birthday. I don't know why I was going to say that. Uh, <laughs> uh, hi, Ben Coombs. How you doing, Ben and Amanda? Uh, they're always uh, always real supportive of the show. Nice people. Okay. Um, yes. Uh, let's see. R Rusty Shackleford, thank you for the super chat. Hey, guys, some people recommend mixing V30s with greenbacks. Uh, yes, I, th I think it sounds great. Dave does that. While others say the V30 will overpower the greenback, can you explain which is true and why? Well, technically, that might be true. Um, uh, but in, in my cabinets, my standard cabinets, I use greenbacks on the top speakers of the cabinet oh. and vintage 30s on the bottom speakers of the cabinet. And the, and the reason or the, well, how I came about with this mix stems from a million years ago working with jerry cantrell um when i did his systems years ago uh, i mean a million years ago like in the early 90s um we determined that he liked a 25 watt greenback 4x12 and a vintage 30 4x12 on the other side it was a stereo rig and he liked both so uh it was a beautiful blend because Anything a V30 had, a greenback didn't, and vice versa. So it was a beautiful blend. So when I decided to do cabinets, I'm like, let's let's blend a couple vintage 30s, which tend to be a little punchy and a little on the harsh side, and let's blend that with the greenback, which is a little more scooped and a little more woody sounding. Uh, but I was thinking, let's put the harsher speaker down at the floor where you're not going to hear it. So it's not in your face as much. It's not in your face. You're not going to hear it. Right. And then the, the the greenback speaker is a little nicer. It's a little up higher. Chances are you're going to hear it more. And uh, it worked out really well. Is there that much of a dB difference between the two speakers? Not that much, really. On so paper, it looks like there is, but it's not as much as you think. It's kind of hard to tell, to be honest. Yeah, it sounds great to me. So I mean, the blend works really well. So that's how that's how I do it. So that's your four by twelve cabinet. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I've shipped them for years, and people tend to love them. So this, I mean, you can order it with all greenbacks or all vintage thirties, but generally the standard is the blend. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works good. It's only a hundred watt cabinet though with the blend because it's only based on the lower wattage speakers. So, mm. so Kurt Snyder wants to know, and I was going to ask as well. Um, uh, if you can tell us, you know, how did you work directly with Ed? So how was the, um, you know, the process of working with Ed on the well, amps? After I got involved, I mean, Mike Allrick used to be the guy that would go there mm -hmm. and, and, and propose new products to him, along with the marketing guys. Mm -hmm. And then they'd come back and I'd, I'd work on the design and we'd send off stuff. But after that, um the Smithsonian event, I would go there and he would play and Matt Brock would play and we'd discuss things and well, I want this or I want that. And so it was a direct involvement. And he, 
you'd call now and then and say, oh, I changed, I'm thinking about this. Do you think you could do that or that? Yeah. So it was, it was direct communication, but most of it happened in going to his studio. So we, we'd go over there mm-hmm. with the prototypes and we'd set them up and, and, uh, you know, him and Matt Brock would listen and then they would make comments and do you think you could do this and do that? And it was rare to do the changes on the spot because that, that's what happened with the, um, the, the original S version. Uh, uh, Mike Ulrich mm-hmm. pumped the gain of Channel 2 up and Ed really liked it. But when it got back to me, I said, you know, there's something that's not quite right here. Uh, I, there's an interaction of the controls. Mm-hmm. Between, and uh, it's really subtle, but it's no. There's some people have noticed that over the years. That if you change the gain of channel three, it affects two. Is that on the 50 or on the 100? On the 100. Oh. And in true EVH fashion, it was left that way, right? It was left that way. Yeah. Right. It's not a big deal, but uh, that's why I. it was better that I would be there if they were making changes. Mm-hmm. I could, I could, I could see because you know I'd have the schematic. I could see the interaction stuff yeah, possible. And then if you, yeah, so, so yeah, go go ahead. So when you were bringing over a, you know, a prototype, would he just plug in and play? Would he play with the band? You know, no. would he playing with anybody? Just or just himself? Just playing? Just him. It was always him just in the studio. Yeah, him in the studio. Mm. Which is, uh, yeah, you've been there, I'm sure, David. Many a time. Yeah. Many a time. And and I remember, I think I remember when that change happened, when Mike was, Mike made that change. Yeah. <laughs> you do, huh? Uh, yeah, I, there was, there was a, there was a time when I saw Mike quite frequently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've never been to Ed's place. And I'm yeah, quite well, quite sad about it. <laughs> so I'm left out of the club. You're left uh, out of the club, unfortunately. You know, he, uh, he, he was you know, he definitely. I he, you know, after he got sober and stuff, he became a really nice to work with. Really, as a that's a whole different person. Yeah, yeah, he changed totally. Yeah, totally different person. Yeah, and were you were you you started working with him before that happened though, right? Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. I saw the totally different person. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first time I met him, he was there on the have you been? Were you at this uh Chaparral place ever? You know, on Fender Chaparral? No. Uh no. You know, big sound room there. And no. Ed that's the first time I met Ed. He was there listening to some products and he was, you know, he was lit. <laughs> and uh the boss of the R and D at that time. He was pretty conservative, mm-hmm. and he, it, it didn't sit well with him. So, and then mm-hmm. uh, he left the room, not Ed. And mm-hmm. Ed said, uh, "Who is that guy? He sure is uptight." So that was, but you know, he's he's still, even though he, he was that way, he was able to get across what he really wanted something to sound like. Sure. Sometimes Absolutely. To work with, but then it got better as he got cleaner. You know, it yeah. makes sense. Absolutely. You know? Right. And it was, you know, sad to see him get sick and 
go through all that. And yeah, of course. Just, yeah, I know. Super sad. He's well, yeah, he's missed. Yeah, yeah, a hundred percent. I like to hear uh, his his son Wolfgang over here in Tempe a few mm -hmm. months. Ago. Oh yeah, he totally, went. yeah. He's he's got a really good voice. Oh yeah. He he, he doesn't play any of his dad's stuff, which mm -hmm. I understand. No, but he did. He did at a you know the Foo Fighters tribute concert. Yeah, right, he did. He did do that. He did great, which he did amazing. Yeah, no, he's good. He's really good. Yeah, he's talented. I went to see him also. He opened up uh, for Guns N' Roses uh -huh. uh, down here, and uh, which was cool. And then afterward, he came out with Guns N' Roses and played with them, which was a cool, uh, was a that's cool. cool show. Um, yeah, very talented player. He's really good, and he plays all the instruments too. So, right. You know. Uh, you've got Zach Kerkorian. Thanks for the super chat. Howard at Fender during the Vibro King production. No, I was not there then. No. Oh, no. okay. All right. That was um, pretty cool amp, actually. Vibro King. Yeah. yeah. I worked on a. I worked on a couple of them. Obviously, it's, it was kind of cool sounding. It was kind of a neat thing. Uh huh. I see. Here's uh, Jay Buss question. We a we answered that before. Mm -hmm. oh, the rack mount thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we've got Rob's tone zone. Thanks, Rob. Uh, Dave, thanks for always returning emails. I told you I wanted to send you a bottle, bourbon or scotch. And what's your thoughts on the Digitech hardware DL8? Thinking I may try the Lukather 2 delay trick. Uh, Digitech hardware DL8 is awesome. Um, it was a just a you know, a kind of lexicon algorithms delay pedal that Digitech made for a while that was just really juicy sounding really good sounding delay so yeah get it i have one here somewhere in a box hmm. all the pedals are in bins in the hallway <laughs> i have so many pedals i'm gonna do a sale soon you do guys too. i'm gonna do a big sale um but um bourbon or scotch not bourbon uh rye or scotch <laughs> and if you're if you're you know uh belvini scotch i love uh lagavulin uh lafroig but my wife gets upset at that one this mm. stinks like burnt wood <laughs> <laughs> she goes comes out your pores <laughs> that's funny no, it's seriously like if you just smell it, it's it's like it's real smoky. It's real smoky. Well, Lagavulin smoky too, but it doesn't quite have the same kick as uh, that. Mm. Patrick Miller, um, Howard, was it a conscious decision that Fender wanted a slightly more scoop sounding tone for the '65 Princeton reissue compared to the original? Mm, I don't think I don't think so. I think it was supposed to be the same. The Princeton reverb we talking about? Uh, uh, yeah, he said 65 Princeton reissue. I'm not sure if it was a reverb or not. It's a reverb, it was supposed to be the same. There was an issue we found with the, the cabinet had a buzz in it. And we had to put another rail across the top. The original one didn't. Hmm. And the, the baffle was buzzing. But no, it, it was supposed to be the same. The main difference was the fact that it was a circuit board instead of a turret board. And... Uh, the safety stuff. We had to add some additional safety components on the line input. Yeah, I laid I laid that board out actually 
just the way the turret board parts were laid in. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think there's any difference between a, that and an, an original one, other than you know newer tubes, other than a different speaker probably than the original, yeah. uh, which could be more scoop sounding, you yeah. know, because yeah. I mean I know the speakers won't be exact. No, they're never exact. Never, never exact for the old ones. No. I'm surprised the question hasn't come up about the EVH four by twelve cabinet. Oh, what about, about it? Uh, it's it's rated at eighty watts, and it's a hundred watt amp. Mm. But those yeah, speakers, but, those speakers but, in there really can handle more of that power. Yeah, but the speakers were were from heritage. Well, came from Heritage Celestian Heritage twenties, the G twelve, yes, and that's why they were rated at eighty watts. But I was told from Celestian, in reality, those really are 25-watt speakers. Yeah. I, so Wolfgang used to play bass through them, yeah, and they right. wouldn't blow. So I, it's not really an issue. Yeah. Crank mm -hmm. it. Go for Crank it. Crank it. Should be fine. <laughs> Jason, thank you very much for the super chat. Uh, hey, all, Dave, I took guitar lessons from Bobby Michigan at Motor City Guitar. Met Marty a bunch of times. Such a great guy. I believe I met you also in the early 2000s. Great show. Thank you. Awesome, Jason. Uh, I don't know who Bobby is exactly, but hey, I know who Motor City Guitar and Marty, though. Uh, Paul N., do you guys train or offer training to do mods? Obviously, SIG mods have to be covered by no disclosures or something. Just wonder what a guy that would like to do that. Oh man, you know, uh, no, but maybe. <laughs> well, you can reach you can reach out to Paul. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, to uh, Bruce Egnator. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, you should go take Bruce Egnator's amp building class if you want to kind of get a get a uh, a little lesson in Yaney sort of little kind of amps. Yeah, yeah, I thought about offering the tone uh, full stack as a kit. Oh yeah, the way I do it, uh, I have to actually break the controls out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. you got to take the whole main board out. That's oh no, forget that. Yeah, forget that noise. That that that, <laughs> that that's, that's sort of ugly. I've seen that in there. It's like, oh no, I don't want to take that out. <laughs> There's 25 screws that hold the board in. Yeah, no. Well, yeah, yeah I decided even after I did a, a video and a thing, it's it's too it's too involved. Yeah, you know, it's it's just too much for. And then there's the safety issue. People, they don't understand four or five hundred volts. And there's people that do, but I didn't want to open myself up to liability stuff. Sure. So, yeah, it makes sense. Understandable. I mean, I love to teach stuff like that. You know. So, yeah. But it's hard to do and sell it. You know, like. Yeah. I, mm -hmm. I started building kits, Heath kits, when I was a kid. You know, fifteen. 15 I've got one in here right now, an old amp that uh, my brother had for a while. I'm revamping it. Heath kit. Those, those kits, they, the You're lot dating of work yourself there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I built a lot of kits. Heath, night kits, Heath kits, Dyna kits. In the, old, in the old days when you get cool stuff. Yeah, when you get cool stuff. Those are <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Gary Miner has a question. What are the main differences that make the EVH2 brighter than the EVH3? EVH2. Are you talking about the... Is that the PV, PV one? The yeah. PV5152 PV, uh, are you talking about? 
I don't think two is necessarily brighter than three. I don't think so either. But one thing I did know is it has more of a fizziness to it. There's yeah. there's bleed there's bleed bleed. And that's a that's a circuit board layout issue, I think. Hmm. But I, I don't think it was specifically designed to be brighter than the three. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh unfucking believable. What's up? Uh, thank you. Recently took a Strat Plus to Sherlin for work. Recognized Howard and was very nervous to even say hello. He was what? very cool and took the time to shake my hand and then went back to work on the Mesa he had torn apart. Mesa yeah. he had torn Mesa. apart. Sorry. My unfavored. <laughs> no one likes to work on those. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're hard to work on. They really are. <laughs> I, 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 uh, a guy that, um, a friend of mine um, was the Mesa lead tech in Hollywood, Mesa boogie tech in Hollywood for 25 uh -huh. years, ran yeah. the Hollywood store here and anything. And he does work for me sometimes on Saturdays here. Um, and any, anything Mesa that comes in, it's like, here you go, John. <laughs> <laughs> Have fun. My <laughs> it, you know, but he worked on everyone for 25 years. So he knows them like the back of his hand he knows all the little shortcuts mm. and and he knows right away what's wrong or what probably went wrong because i've got a five it's called a 550 five watt 50 watt uh-huh uh on, on my bench right now and I, I cannot figure out what's going on turn the gain up and it just goes bananas Crazy. Well, I can always hook you up with him. You can talk to him about yeah, it. He might have an idea. Great. He might have an idea at least to give you a little something. Yeah. yeah. Send it to me. Yeah. 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 You have to give me um or email me your 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 phone number and stuff, and I, I can hook you guys up. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Email. Awesome. Kurt Snyder, can you vary act the EVH amp to ninety volts? Uh, yes. No. <laughs> Not the new ones. I, no I mean, I I've lowered. Put the amp on a variac and lowered it. Um, one of the new ones, the ninety volts. Yeah, well, I'm surprised the regulators didn't all drop out. It didn't. Sh no, if it if it went any lower, then it was shut off. Okay, but all right. That's some it. amps you can make it down. Some amps that have regulators, you can make it down to maybe a hundred. Yeah, and and I'm but ninety ninety. Yeah, my amp shut low. down. Yeah, that's pretty low. Yeah, yeah. Does your I mean, amp have regulators, Dave? Stuff. They're tested. Uh, yeah, twenty percent, ten percent, one hundred eight, one thirty-two. To do to do any channel switching amp, generally speaking, you have regulated. Well, I have regu regulated two peters, DC two peters. Oh, you do. Uh, and uh, yeah, ours are actually regulated, and uh, and the relays also power off of that right. same. same yeah, EVH, all the preamp tubes in EVH are regulated. They're mm -hmm. they're strong and two two sets mm -hmm. yeah 12.6 yeah, 12 volts each two series three series sets so if one tube goes the other one quits i know that's kind of a pain in the ass yeah but you know, yeah we do ours at 12 volts and we just yeah we don't do that so yeah. we do the dc just because it's quieter yeah. well of course running ac all around the board is no forget it not a good <laughs> Now, but 90 no, volts, I'm surprised it worked that low. It worked, but I, I will say that I don't find the need to do it. 
I just did, I just did it to just to see if it would work. But, see if it but, would work. Yeah, I mean, but but once I started getting a, too low, the light started to dim and everything just you know shut off. So did um, any of your amps, Dave, ever have the the lower filament voltage in production? Did you ever? Do not that? in production. No, I could easily do it though. Yeah. Right. Because uh, because it's like I said, it's twelve volt DC regulated. Uh, oh, it does it, it on the power tubes too. Oh, okay. Oh, not the power tubes. No. Okay. Not the, yeah. not the power tubes and not the phase inverter too. Okay. But, yeah, that's same as well. It's a couple of my amps have the phase inverter tube done also, but okay. Right. Most right. of the time, it's the phase inverter and the power tubes are AC. AC, and then everything else is DC. Yeah, that's what we twelve volt regulated DC. Right. Which actually is maybe a little less than twelve volts. Yeah. Anybody from bad going to to Nam? No. Okay. I don't go to Nam anymore. Nam is done. I I maybe I'll go visit. Maybe. <laughs> do they still do two a year, or is just one a year? Now? Oh well, I I they're this year it's in April. April. Um. I, I, you know, part of me is like, yeah, let's go see what's going on just to see how awful it is. Uh, <laughs> and then the other part of me is like, you know, the funny thing last year, I, I got a ticket. I was going to go down on a Sunday or something. And then my wife said to me, hey, you want to go blah, do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like going, yeah, I want to go do that. <laughs> and I didn't go. <laughs> didn't go. Yeah. I didn't go. So, um, I don't know. You know, the heyday of it, I think, is gone. I think the need for NAM is gone. Um, you know, originally years ago, okay, when I started going to NAM in 1988 or something, before, you know, pre-internet and, you know, this is how the stores found out about new stuff. You know, this is, they came and visited and, and looked at the, you know, their vendors' new stuff. And, and this is how they got that information. So as the years go on in now 2023, the dealers can will find out about this information before NAM. They'll see videos of it. They'll see everything they want to know about it probably in a better light with the videos than if they saw it even at the NAM show. Mm -hmm. What's the purpose? Mm -hmm. What's the purpose other than spending a lot of money? Yeah. That you don't make... get back. Not really. And time, you know, you had, yeah. I mean, I love, I love it for the social part of it. I think it was great. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, Lots we, of fun. we always did it right. We had, you know, a sound room and we had a bar in our sound room. Man, yeah, it was, made, it, made it made it fun. Lots of fun. <laughs> made, made it made it fun. And you know, you're talking to so many people in a day. Having those cocktails is quite nice because <laughs> it made the day. After enjoyable. a while, you're you just. I mean, even even with that, I would get to the point during the day that I was like, I got to walk away. <laughs> I have to walk away for a little while because if I have to shake hands, I mean, this isn't bad towards anyone, but if I have to shake hands and smile and take a picture with one more person, I'm going to freak out. <laughs> yeah. it. I, I just needed a break for a minute. You know, it's just like... um. Uh, it it it's punishing uh th you know three day four days right four it was four days it was four days 
Yeah. It was a punishing four days all day. And then, you know, you're setting up the day before, you're tearing down the day after. It's punishing. Yeah. It's, it's like, rough. you know, six days roughly. And, and uh, you know, yeah, I don't yeah. blame you. Uh, Rock Guitar School, thank you for the super chat. Uh, this is a good question. Hi, Howard. Were there any mods in Eddie's personal 5150s that were never in production? And was there any feature that you would have preferred in the final product? Thank you. Well, <clears throat> I don't recall anything that we modified for him that didn't wind up in production. Yeah, no. Except I, possibly my idea of initially wanting to have channel two and three combined instead of one, but we never put that in front of him. Yeah. Well, no, no. Everything that we changed was moving towards a product a production product yeah or production was, change yeah, yeah yeah and it was it was an evolution of everything it wasn't nothing was like redone ground up mm. like the iconic now that james brown did that's that's pretty much ground up totally right. different um, also a different form factor i don't know if you guys let, me, let me ask you a question about that amp so uh, is it a tube phase inverter and tube power amp? Yes. Yeah. And then no, it, it might be not a tube phase inverter. No, I don't think it is. I think oh, okay. It's a tube power amp, tube power amp with, with some sort of drive, some sort of solid state driver for the. Yes. Yeah. And there's. And then there's a comb. You know, the I wasn't. Isn't there only. There's one preamp, one additional preamp tube. I think. Yeah. The front end is all solid state. Yeah. It has a, a tube uh, distortion type emulator, asymmetrical distortion uh, on, on the front end. That's and neat. James Brown is very good at that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's neat. Well, he always made some really good um, yeah, he's, uh, pedals he's, he's that pretty, sounded amazing. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yep. He does. I'm not, I don't think it's a tube face splitter, but I might be wrong. Oh, uh, okay. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's a head, an 80 watt head, and I think it's a, is it a 60 watt combo or I'm not sure, or maybe a 40 watt combo. Uh, out this, I have out the combo. Right. I think it's a 40 watt combo. 40 watt. Yeah, um, I have the combo and it's great. Mm -hmm. Really, really great amp. Um, this is an interesting question. Why did EVH drop Marshall? Did he ever say to you guys at Fender? I have no idea. He was never with Marshall, so no, yeah, he can't drop Marshall if he was never with Marshall. Uh, why that right. never? Why why that didn't happen a million years ago is beyond my comprehension. Right. Why Marshall didn't do that with yeah. him? Yeah, would have made sense, huh? It would have made a lot of sense. They didn't do any signature amps though at the time. No, no. and uh, I you know it would have made a lot of sense at the time. Mm -hmm. it, it would have that's for yeah. sure yeah um question um how is ed's hearing how is his hearing yeah i mean did, did I, I was i was amazed how good his ears were especially yeah. all those years of loud loud very loud sound that some people get through that and, you know i don't know i never i never had to repeat things to him, you know, just talking in normal volume. Yeah. No. So 
I agree. There, there, there was a little time when he got a little damaged on one of the tours and, and, and towards the end of the years that he had some issues. Like he had a monitor that blared out at him, but his hearing, oh. yeah, I never, I never had him ask what I said or anything. Yeah, same here. Telltale sign, generally speaking, if someone's losing their hearing, is if you just talk to them normally and they're like, "Wait, what'd you say? What'd you say? But, <laughs> yeah, what'd you say? What'd you yeah. say?" Uh, and I have many, many musician friends that are like that. Yeah, and some yeah. of them extremely bad. Uh -huh. Where you know, okay, if I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to have to raise my voice <laughs> quite loud. Uh -huh. yeah. uh, Will the real? Uh, thank you. Uh, where did where to get education for amp troubleshooting? I have a background in comp size, do own guitar wiring, uh, education that detail how to trace signal through an amp, test components, oh, detail, determine a fault. Oh, man, that's that's. I don't know if there's any classes on it. I don't think. I mean, I, I you know there there's there's books out there that are quite um, quite good. Um, uh, Merlin, Merlin, uh, Belcourt or whatever. I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, he has some books that are out there that are great. Uh, there's some, who's that, who's that guy in Canada that does the, the loose leaf London books? power. Stuff. London, I mean, some of his books were actually informative and stuff. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you're trying to learn stuff, you just try to gra grasp anything that's out there that you can, right. that you can read and at least explain merlin out of the uk though is uh the valve wizard he was known as he has a yeah. website and uh he he's written a bunch of really good um really good books even the math and everything very informative um you just gotta dig man <laughs> you know it's yeah. it's like it's you gotta want it and you gotta dig for the information you gotta you gotta find the information wherever you can and it's got to be videos your, and you got to get your hands in stuff and, and there's yeah. you know youtube stuff where some people might explain some stuff i don't even I don't know. know i don't look at that anymore I should, but I've, i thought about doing that you know one, one thing i always recommend is uh never change two things at once so if you're if you're doing some kind of swapping a component mm -hmm. one at a time you don't and change listen. all the tubes <laughs> right know? right exactly yeah. I, well how to troubleshoot that's a whole another thing like i have yeah. to deal with this i do all the customer service for my company uh, -huh. uh yeah. the blessing and a curse probably <laughs> uh um but i my my concept behind that is well if someone else does it they're gonna wind up asking me anyway right the right. person hey this guy's having this problem can you ask why don't i just answer the email <laughs> right. right so and I and I do it routinely throughout the day. So I I you know I get up in the morning, coffee. Okay, answer all my emails, clear it out. You know, maybe midday I might do it again. Later, maybe in the evening when I'm sitting at home doing nothing, I do it again. So I'm always working. Apparently, yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah, I worked but, recently with a guy in São Paulo, Brazil, and one guy way up in Alberta because it couldn't yeah. get there. Yeah, and we did a video troubleshooting session, and I said, you just have to just follow my instructions. Yeah, exactly. With it right away. Some, got, some, yeah, yeah. Sometimes some do that, they could listen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but not all. Not uh, all. Because right. often I will say verbatim what I want you to try in an email, and yeah. I'll get 
he'll take one part of it and give me the answer. I go, what right. about the other questions I asked you? So, you know, the important thing is when you're trying this, unplug everything from your amplifier. Right. Oh, yeah. Take your cable to a cabinet. Maybe if you have two cabinets, let's try the other cabinet also. And uh, uh, if you have an extra speaker cable, you never know. I've seen bad speaker cables. Yeah, right. Uh, but nothing in the loop and nothing in front of the amp. Guitar straight in. You sound like you're writing what I've written a hundred times. Yeah, and then then it's like I'm getting a lot of buzz. Okay, hold on. Unplug the guitar from the amplifier. Right. <laughs> Are you getting buzz now? No, there's no buzz at all. Well, there you go. Okay, well, that's called EMF. Your guitar pickups are picking up noise in your room or thing. Well, what do I do about that? Well, you're kind of screwed, maybe. <laughs> because there's not much you can do about it. Um, there's not a really good fix of it. If your area is particularly prone to it, it's going to be there. You could turn everything off in your entire house, and it might still be there. Yeah, especially uh, if they have fluorescent lighting. And then if you have dimmers. Dimmers, yeah. All the way up or all the way down. Right. Well, I don't have any dimmers in this room, but I have some upstairs. I go, well, are they dimmed? <laughs> because guess what? It's all tied into the electrical system and it'll buzz in your basement. <laughs> um, you know, just things just things like this, and and you know, just kind of narrow it down. Okay, is the crackling you're hearing from the amp? Mm -hmm. Turn all your masters and everything tone controls down to zero. Are you still hearing crackling from the amp? Yeah. Okay, well, it could be your power tubes then. Yeah. You know, uh, or, well, I turn the master down. I don't hear the crackling anymore. Okay, well, it's before the master. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just narrowing it down to the the spot, and, and that's 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 the, the key. So it's a, a series of diagnostic questions. Yeah. And the worst yeah. thing for me on my amp, on my amps, the mains fuse is located in the bottom of the IEC inlet oh. jack. Yeah, that hidden place. There's an HT fuse next to it. Yeah. It says HT fuse. And the above the other one, it says mains fuse. Yeah. Well, I checked the fuse, it's good, but the amp still doesn't power on. You're yeah. checking the wrong fuse. Wrong. Mm -hmm. The mains fuse is located in the tray slide out tray of the iec inlet jack and there's a spare in there too well know. how do i how do i get that open oh <laughs> get a little oh, yeah. screwdriver and just kind of pop, pop it, it open and yeah. and so i got so pissed off about this all the newer amps i'm designing i put the ht fuse in the amp like marshall does <laughs> There's only one place on the app now that they can look. <laughs> oh, wow. Interesting. Uh, John DeShane, thank you. Did anyone along the way say to Ed, too much gain? He seemed to go off the rails with the gain. Did anyone suggest his ears might be tired? I didn't. I don't know. <laughs> you don't. You, 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 that's not okay. You don't want to go against. I, I, I knew not to go yeah, He's a wrong personality. You know, wrong personality. Yeah. You uh you didn't tell Ed what he needed, he told you right. what he needed. That's it, right? And that's really that's really the, the key right there, the whole key. And oh, yeah. how and how you you know survive the camp is 
listening. That's, that's listening. Right. Just listen. Listen to what he has to say. Mm-hmm. And then interpret. Stephen Douglas, Howard, did did you have anything to do with the Fender Landau DeVille? No, no, not me. Everything past uh, my last 12 years has been all EVH. So those ones that I went over, the mm. Amp, the Princeton Reverb, GDAC Jr., the Ultralight, those are the Fender things that I did. Maybe maybe one more. I don't, it's a long time. You know, 18 years is a long time. Yeah. For everything. Yeah. Uh, George Borden, thank you. Thank you for that for this episode. One of the best so far. Rest in peace, EVH and Jeff Beck. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah, Jeff. We lost Jeff. Yeah. Uh, Jim A fifty one fifty. I'm having a hard time getting Fender to send me a new red power light bulb for my fifty one fifty three combo. Any ideas? They want me to take it to a service place, and it's out of warranty. Yeah. Well, that's a simple fix. I mean. Well, uh, it's not that simple, but this no. is the pilot light that's on the front. I'm assuming he's talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a while where uh, we couldn't get those particular LED versions. So they started building it with incandescent bulb versions. And I'd have to know the serial number. He could send me the serial number and I could try and pinpoint which one's in there. Or I could tell him what to do to tell me which one's in there. Yeah. So yeah, have him send me an email. Yeah, reach out to Howard. Yeah, I could help with that. Cool. Yeah. I thought a pilot light would be easy. You, um, yeah, yeah. These are, he Ed wanted that very special, huge LED round thing, mm-hmm. which I think was like, it's been through a couple different vendors actually. Hmm. And, uh, um, let's see. I'm just... not just for number forty-seven bulb. Which hmm. even those are hard to get now. Yeah. Uh, Sigs. Howard, what was Ed's favorite preamp and power tubes for the EVH amps? Well, before the 100, uh, before the 50 watt, they were experimenting with electroharmonics preamp tubes. Uh, power amps, same thing. But when I took over, he had already fixed everything, fixated on JJ. Well, everything that I did was all JJ. Oh, except uh, the Wing C power tubes for about six months. Mm. And then a Shuang. Is that how you say it? Shuang? Shuang or something like that. Until they went away. And I think on the power tubes, they're back to JJ again. Because they're having trouble getting those other ones. Mm. Well, yeah. Wing C's, I I like the sound of the Wing C's. Mm. They were just, they were very expensive and hard. And then they stopped making them, I guess. We bought all, I think they bought all the stock up too. Uh, George Borden, thank you, Dave, for the dirty uh, Shirley Buxom boost combo. Perfect one channel rock machine that goes from light to loose to tight. Perfect combo. Awesome. Cool. Awesome. Made somebody happy there. Or a lot of people. Go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Guitar Man 45 says he's got to go. He'll be back though. <laughs> okay. Next session or tonight? I just want. I, I don't think he'll be back tonight, but yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see. Unless he's just going to the bathroom. <laughs> oh yeah, that could be. He's just letting us know that he had to step away. Um. 
Wendon Rodriguez, how's it going? Thank you. We need a bad weekend or experience. How cool would that be, Dave? Like, you know, you guys have your own bad experience with Wampler and Friedman and, you know, all the different brands. Yeah, I mean, that that might be something that could be done, maybe. I don't know. You know, how, who's going to come? I don't know. I mean, I'd be there. <laughs> <laughs> So, there's enough uh, brands yeah definitely uh we talked about this earlier michael uh freeman will not be presenting or have a booth there but dave might be walking around maybe 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 i'm yeah, questioning that but yeah maybe that's interesting i i did not know this about dimmers um affecting signal well, not if they're studio dimmers, which are Variax. <laughs> <laughs> but the standard ones you just buy at the hardware store to put in your wall, yeah, they're going to... It'll go... <laughs> That's the sound it'll do. Uh, uh, Will was saying, I wasn't talking about the outside of the amp. I mean, testing all jacks, pots, etc. Effects loops, send is okay, but preamp drops out. Found cold solder gent joint next to cathode. How to trace signal. Oh, well, I mean, you would have to understand the signal path and be able to read the schematic, yeah. you know, kind of, and, 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 and know where, where it's cutting out, you know, and have some maybe equipment to diagnose that like a scope or, I mean, even a signal generator and a multimeter would be helpful. <laughs> you know, and the bare bones, you can at least tra trace AC signal through through the circuit if you knew where to do that with the points you know um i had one amp builder tell me <laughs> i had one amp builder tell me oh i don't use a scope really yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> and i and i go he was repairing one of my amps and i asked him I go, okay, can you put a signal generator to the in, into the input and then measure, you know, look at it on the scope, see what's going on, measure, you know, measure a few things. Well, I don't have a signal generator or a scope. I'm like, what? <laughs> I get troubleshooting. And, 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 and like, like I said, at least a signal generator and a meter would be helpful. Hmm. At least then I could guide you. Just put a signal into it and check here, 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 and tell me what you're reading. I, you know, I just basic signal. You know, does it at at the EQ is at 20 volts or whatever the voltage is, 23 volts or whatever it should be AC. Um, he was telling me that, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay, I don't know what to tell you that, man uh george peterson we actually answered this earlier why is the 50 watt el34 version of the blue channel different than the 100 watt uh that's because that's what ed wanted and they and put that and there's no plans to make them the same and no no plans to make them the same they will stay the same they will stay different and if you want it the same then you can cut out that capacitor right uh yes yeah yeah uh rummy 
Thank you so much. Howard, are you familiar with the contemporary players using a tube screamer with the EVH? The purpose is to reduce the bass to have a cleaner gain sound? No, I'm not. No. Tube screamer up front, I guess they're talking about it. Yeah, tube screamer yeah. up front. They turn the gain off and it's just like a boost, but it's, you know, it's kind of mid-range centric. So so it 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 acts as a high pass filter sort of. So it's a little little tighter, little it's common with the metal guys. Okay. All right. Uh, stay curious. Uh, what amps tend to sound good with G12 T75 speakers? Hmm, not many. G12, <laughs> not many. Uh, you know, I, okay, I'll have to say that. Um, so, uh, speaking about Ed, so when he recorded the um for the fuck album, the for unlawful carnal knowledge record with Andy Johns producing. Uh, he used a Soldano amp into a slant cabinet that at the time was rented from Andy Brower's studio rentals, which had 75 watt, uh, speakers in it. And with the Soldano, actually, it worked pretty well. Uh, a little cleaner sounding of a speaker, not less fuzzy, so to speak, than a vintage 30 or a, a greenback, which, which actually makes sense because the Soldano is a little bit more of a fuzzier gain. So it kind of makes sense. And he later bought that cabinet from Andy Browers. Okay. I remember taking that cabinet to the studio at that time because I worked for Andy Browers at the time. Is that the first time you met Ed? When you brought yeah. the cabinet? Yeah. Yeah. He helped me unload it from the car. Oh, cool. <laughs> That's awesome. Must um, have been 1980. When was that record made? When did that record come out? Um, Had to be like, 89 ish or something that i i did that or i would think i was thinking 90 but maybe i'm wrong might have come out in 90 but it might have been recorded uh, in 80, right right uh josh hey howard is it okay to use my 100 watt evh amp into a 2 by 12 evh i'm using it at really low volume low volume you should be fine sure if you're really worried about it you could two pull pull outer tubes mm -hmm. on the 100 watt and set it to half the impedance. Then it'll be a 50 watt amp. If he's really worried about it. But just don't turn it up. You'll, you'll hear when it starts to be not right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Might, yeah, if you, you blow it, it up, you'll long. know. Yeah, you wouldn't do it for very long. Mm -hmm. uh, they aren't human. Possible to mod a 100 watt stealth 6L6 to use other power tubes, I imagine you're saying. Uh, uh, probably not. That would. It's, it's pretty involved. You'd have to you change, have to change, change the, uh, the bias. The, no, not the, the no? bias. The the, the uh, screen resistors are different. Mm. Yeah, mm. there's a lot of lot of little things. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it, you know, it's possible. I could do it if he sends it to me. There you go. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Howard can do it. Uh, Robert McDonald, how when changing preamp tubes in the 5153 50 watt is V1 that sensitive? It seems no matter what tubes use, it's very microphonic. Thanks, fellas. This is the best. Well, V1 is the highest gain tube, so if it's if you've got a microphonic tube, and then that's not good, you got to get it out of there. Is that what he's sort of getting at? Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, so are you using JJ tubes is is the question. I mean, you yeah, know, you're going to want to use JJs. Probably they're going to be the lowest, least microphonic. Right. I would 
also maybe recommend buying several of them so you can kind of find the lowest. Well, and then there, yeah. yeah. You know, some of these guys, you know, microphonic to them is like they whack the tube and see what happens. You know, that's, you know, it's, you don't want to I be mean, whacking the tubes real a lot. <laughs> I mean, a little micro microphonic, you know, I always, I always say when you um, plug the guitar cable into it, if it's pinging a little too much, you, you know, <laughs> but really, really though, if, you, if it's still not running away, it's not too bad. Yeah. It's, it'll be okay. When it starts feeding back on itself. Yeah. Then, and then that's when it's really bad, but you can get away with a little microphonics, you know, yeah. as long as, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not going to hurt anything. Uh, what are your thoughts on using a brown box with non-vintage amps? I use it. I use a brown box with my um, with with all my amps oh, back 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 here. All these amps are wired. What's that? What's it, a brown? It's, a regular it's, box? Yeah, it basically lowers the lowers the voltage oh, okay. slightly. It's uh, it's it's designed like if you have you know if you're somewhere in the U.S. you got 126 volt 126 volt wall voltage, you can drop it down to 120 or 118 or something, and yeah. you know make it make it a little sweeter. I've got mine at 115. Mm-hmm. Yes, here. if you if a brown box is great, you can use it on any amp. Uh, and yeah, if you have 125 volt wall voltage like you had, it's it's beneficial. Definitely, definitely beneficial. Yeah, definitely. Um, Nothing sounds good at 125. It's it's harsh sounding. It's too, yeah, it's too loud. Too, and too loud. um, and yeah, uh, running 116. Yeah, that's a great voltage. You know, just a little bit, a little bit under 120 is kind of cool. A couple volts. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, Chris Leeton. Hey, Dave, just purchased his twin sister. Can you recommend a delay for the loop? Uh, I like. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Boss DD500 or DD200 delays. Those are great. Um, the Halo, Keeley Halo. Halo's good. In the Twin Sister, the Twin Sister has like a wide open uh, effects loop return, right? Mm. So there's a lot of return gain on on that. Um, so um, it tends to amplify noises of pro- certain products. So like if it's not extremely low noise floor, uh, you're going to hear the kind of hiss from the product a little bit. Hmm. You can fix that if it had a, ideally if I should have put a return volume on that amp, um, but I didn't. Uh so you want something that's really low noise. The halo, the halo is great, uh, but it might be a little. You might hear a little hiss there. I, I the boss stuff I know is good. Mm. Strymon stuff would work pretty well. Uh, Eventide would be hissy. Hmm. So interesting. There you have it, uh, Stephen Douglas, Dave. What could cause a buzz when the the Ernie Ball volume tuner is in the off position, but perfectly quiet when full volume. Pedal is in the loop of a Bogner 20th anniversary Shiva. Um, Ernie Ball volume pedal, volume pedal, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Ernie Ball volume. It's a volume tuner pedal. Um, 
Well, the first question is, I since I've never used one of those things yet, I've seen them for, for a while now, is it a high impedance pedal? If it's a high impedance pedal, the buzz, uh, the lowering it in the effects loop could cause a buzz. Uh, if it's a, I doubt it's a low impedance. I'm not sure if it's buffered. I don't know anything about that pedal. Hmm. If it's buffered, it shouldn't cause a problem. Um, the Shiva though loop is notoriously flaky. So generally speaking, everyone that I've worked on, you have to attenuate Bogner would always in the back panel, like attenuate the signal down to pedal level. And then there was a boost circuit. It's a really wacky loop in that amp. So could have issues with that. Uh, Robert Constantino, you bought my EL34 50 watt. Oh, cool. And you did the uh, C137 mod. Awesome. Um, which 5153 version is your favorite and why? I like the one, 100 EL34 the most. Howard, thanks for helping with me with the TC Nova system and the loop. I don't remember that, but uh, which amp do I like the best? Yeah. I like the 6L6 combos the best. Oh, cool. Because they have the, I just, they sound great. They've, they've got the, the bright, the higher channel 2 is brighter, the articulation thing built in. Variable power is a nice feature. The reverb is really nice on that thing. Mm, cool. The, the, the downside is they weigh a ton, 95 pounds. Yeah. They're... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, the icon. Otherwise, otherwise, the hundred, the fifty S is my favorite now of the heads. Yeah, I love the fifty. Got everything rolled in there, so yeah. That's Except my for my, my mod, the full tone stack thing. Right. But that you know you don't really need that for most cases. You don't need all three channels independent. Yeah, it makes it really useful though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah. We'll be talking, Howard. <laughs> uh blake burris hey man how are you thanks for uh watching um we've got uh aaron kane by the way guys no more super chats if you can because uh we're gonna wrap up in like 10 minutes um hey dave been meaning to say thanks for help on the jcm studio mods love the show keep up the great work oh, oh nice. cool man i don't know what i helped you with but okay cool uh jonathan shop howard do you have some all-time favorite evh tones a song a solo etc no not really you know before before doing evh i was not an evh fan so i you know i don't i haven't spent hours and hours and hours listening to his whole repertoire but i like more i just like he's a He's a master guitar player, and I just could listen to anything he plays. So a particular song, you know, doesn't not something I could say okay. which yeah. one I like the most. No but he's a master, you know, guitar player. You know, no doubt. Uh, Dustin Wilborn, hey Dave, what ten-inch speaker would you recommend for a butter slacks? Uh, uh, <laughs> green, 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 greenback tens. Celestian Greenback 10s, those sound great. Just be careful. There's not a lot of great 10-inch. Well, no, it's in a Marshall A-10 cabinet. 
Oh, Marshall A10. I missed yeah. That. <laughs> missed that. <laughs> Shit. Okay. Wow. Uh, what? But but you know those A10s. I mean, doesn't it have? Do you have the original speakers in it? Because those were great. Those are, those are cool caps. Wow, eight by ten. Yeah. That thing must be huge. <laughs> it's tall. It's really tall. <laughs> it's really tall. <laughs> wow. Um, they're cool though. They're neat sounding caps. William Gallo, Howard, do you install concentric pots to the EVH lunchbox one amp? Speaking specifically of the volume pot, if so, how can I reach you? No, I don't. I can't. I can't modify that one. There's just no no room to work. Nope. Ah, too bad. Uh, Patrick Miller, what guitar and speaker cables would you guys recommend? Oh God, <laughs> the rabbit oh, hole, Vinny. Yeah, go to Vinny. Sig. Uh, what, signum he, signum signum cables vinny's great he makes great cables speaker cables and guitar cables all custom for you yep anything you want and it's high-end stuff um yeah signum guitar cables check them out uh let's see stephen douglas thanks dave it's probably the loop of the shiva that's causing the buzz because it's not noticeable in other amps well, maybe not. I mean, well, maybe yes. Um, again, I don't. I'd have to look at that pedal and see. I don't know if the if the volume pedal part is a passive volume pedal, and they're just tapping the tuner off of it. They might very well be doing that. Uh, if it is, and it's a high impedance pedal, it it's not going to work that well with the loop. So it would be better to use a low impedance pedal. I just don't know that much about it. So. Yeah. I don't know that's if I said this one. Do some research. Did I say this one from Aaron K? Yes, sir. Okay. Just want to make sure. Just want to make sure. Um, okay. Uh, this one's for Howard. I'd like to use both an EL34 and 6L6 5153 with one 2x12 cab. What would you recommend to switch the heads with one cab? Oh. So he wants to switch between the two heads with one cab. Oh well, there's a back and forth between the two different heads. Uh, yeah, there, there's an amp switch. switch. Yeah. There's there's an amp switcher you can get. Yeah. Um, yeah. K uh, K uh, K H E amp switchers. Um, one thing to be aware of though is you don't ever want to have an EDH amp with an open driven cable because that's the worst thing for the tubes. Yeah, this would be yeah, safe. You have to be you have to ground the output or drive it. Yep, this is this is uh, the amp KHE yep. amp switchers. We'll do that. They make a bunch of different ones. Um, they make a little. It's more than you need, but they make a small uh, a four switcher. by two amp switcher, which is four heads, two cabs. Okay, it's a little okay. half rack space box. That'll do exactly what you need it to do. It's MIDI. Okay. It's great and you can a b between amps into the same cab okay uh yeah. it might be a little more than you want to spend but i mean to be honest uh, radial makes a few boxes too but they won't they don't work that well mm -hmm. so this one does work well what's it called uh khe amp switchers they're out of switzerland okay and they make uh a whole variety of products that will do amp switching uh, and you know, in real time, you know, you can switch between two hundred watt amplifiers going full tilt. Right. 
into a four by twelve cabinet or something, and it's it's great. It's a very useful tool for uh, uh, even a being things, you know, instantly into the same cabinet. You know, you just don't want to have an EDH amp full tilt with an open cable. Oh no, this this isn't. This takes care of that. Yes. Gotcha. Perfectly safe. Well, I think we've um, we've hit all of our questions, right. and uh, I want to thank you, Howard, for coming on. It's been a pleasure meeting two you. Two hours. Yeah, okay. two hours talking to you. Um, we probably can go on or have a part two at some point with you. Yeah, sure. Um, I'd love to have you back. I enjoyed it. It was uh, good questions, and hope I gave good answers. No, you were, <laughs> you, were you were fantastic. You were awesome. Yeah. Um, I want to thank everybody for watching who's been uh, viewing. Again, make sure you check out Sweetwater, fixpedalboards.com. Hit subscribe. And Howard's website. And check out Howard's website. Um, Yeah, check out. I'll post the link in our video also of Howard's website so you guys can check it out and uh, and reach out to Howard um, about all his mods uh, to the EVH amps. And he'll, he'll, uh, and what's the name of the shop you're working at again? I forgot. Guitar pickers. Guitar in pickers. Scottsdale, Arizona. Gotcha. Cool. It's on the front of the it's on the webpage too. Gotcha. Great. Uh, and then our next guest is let's see. Uh, February 10th. We've got Sean Tubbs and Derek from Rev who are going to be on. Which cool. uh, which will be cool. Um, and then from there we got more people coming. So I really appreciate everybody watching. Hope you guys, yeah, Howard, hang on while we say goodbye. But everybody have a great, fantastic weekend. Really appreciate it. See you guys. Take care.